morning. Man, what a great way to start. Good way to start a worship service. I love when I get up here and I feel like it's already been a great morning, right? We're 16 minutes in. We're good. Doesn't matter what I do or say. It's already been a good morning and uh, we can just go with that, right? We'll keep going though because we have this great series. We do a gospel series every year. This year, it's out of the gospel of John. We're calling it Red Letters. Some of you just learned, which is awesome. You learned that the red letters in some of the Bibles, that means they're the words of Jesus. And we're focusing specifically on those words of Jesus as we work through this series. It will lead us to Easter and actually the week after Easter this year. So has anybody else ever filled up on bread at a restaurant? I know I've done it at Olive Garden where I've had enough breadsticks that by the time they bring the chicken parm out, you're like, just put it, just box it up, man. Box it up, I'm gonna have to have it tomorrow. I need a do-over. You know, you get that bread and it's hard, man. That's That'll test your self-control. There's a couple different places. Uh, Red Osier, Red Osier has a cornbread that is so sweet that we, we've theorized that they mix some vanilla cake in with the cornbread. It can't just be straight cornbread and be as good as it is. Of course, uh, Red Lobster, Cheddar Biscuits, also really good. Uh, that is a, a nice thing. If you are kind and you do your timing well, like ask for another basket late in the meal and then maybe have one, and they will give you like a tinfoil container that takes those and you warm them up really nice in the air fryer or, you know, the toaster oven or whatever. Those are just some, some free tips for you today. Now, I do want to say, because we're talking today about how we get that bread, right? Get that bread. And I, was, I just want to mention to the gluten-free people before you leave, because sometimes, you know, we'll do a series on marriage and you kind of have to stop or a message on marriage and say, hey, listen, single people, hang in there. There's some stuff here for you too. I just want you to know gluten-free people, hang in here. Right? There's some stuff here for you. This is not just going to be me talking about my favorite breads for a half an hour or so. There's going to be some other things. And, and you have all my admiration, and I, I appreciate gluten-free people. I feel like you that's a, that's a hard thing to do. You must get significant health benefits from that. Because if my doctor was like, John, listen, I think unless you go gluten-free, your left arm is going to fall off. And I'd be like... I mean, just the left one, though? Like, the right one's, the right one's good? We can keep the right? I think, uh, I think I'm going to push forward. I think Glute and I are going to stay together. So whenever someone says that, I'm like, that's a sacrifice, and I appreciate people that are willing to do hard things. Now, you know who else loves bread? Oprah, of course. I love bread. I don't deny myself bread. I have bread every day. I love bread. I have eaten bread every single day. I have bread every day. Because I love bread, the grainiest, nuttiest, seven grain, nine grain seed bread, one slice of 12 grain bread, sliced very thin, two points for the toast, hog wall crazy, crunchy, seven grain toast. I just love it. No. Oprah did that video several years ago, I think for Weight Watchers, and I have not seen her and not thought about loving bread since then. So hopefully I can do the same for you, and uh, Oprah's legacy is bread. Now, you're asking, why are we talking about bread today? Get the message called Get That Bread. What are we doing? A few things. One, it's because Jesus is going to talk about bread pretty extensively in John chapter 6, which will be our passage today. Feel free to open that up. That's where we'll be parked for the entire message. Two, it is communion week, and actually, as I'm turning around, I tell gluten-free people, we love you, and I don't see the gluten-free uh, thing. So I'm just going to throw that out there into the lobby that we don't have gluten-free communion right now, and it will be here by the time communion starts. That's my, uh, my faith in there. And third, the third reason we're talking about it, because Jesus talked about it, because it's communion week, and because in the time that Jesus was on earth, just like people do now, 
We get confused about what Jesus really came to be and to bring and to give to people. So the main point today is that Jesus didn't come to give us what we need. He came to be what we need. And you might hear that and be like, that's a small difference, right? You're just moving some words around. It's not really that different. It doesn't sound like a substantial thing, but it is a substantial difference, and I'm going to explain that. Some of you are here today. You got up, you got ready, maybe you got yourself ready, maybe you got kids ready, whatever you did, you drove in. We got people that drive regularly. We'll have people from seven counties here at Northgate, which I love. I love that people are willing to drive uh, to get to a church family that they really enjoy. And, And you did that because you're pursuing a closer relationship with Jesus. Now, that relationship might be new. It might be something that's relatively new. It might be old. That relationship sometimes might be decades old. Maybe you feel that relationship today is really strong, and you're here because you want to make it stronger. Maybe you feel like it's weak, and and you're struggling, and you're like, I'm coming because I'm going to pursue a relationship with Jesus today, and that's why I'm here. But others of you, you're here, and, and truthfully, you're seeking something else, and that's not bad. Right? I'm not asking you to leave. I'm not trying to beat you up or shame you about it. It's not bad. But you're here and, and you're seeking something like forgiveness. Right? You're, you're saying, God, I need to be forgiven. Right? I need to be forgiven for some stuff that I've done. And when I come and when I worship and I seek Jesus, I feel some, some peace in there that I don't feel at other times. Some people are here, they're seeking freedom. Freedom from sin, freedom from habits that they don't want to be a part of. There are people that come and what they are really looking for is purpose get to a point in life and you're kind of starting to ask like what what is this all about is this it this is this is it right I'm going to get up and work all day and try and make a little money maybe take a vacation every now that's the purpose and you're looking for that there are people here every week and you are here hoping and looking for an answer to prayer you've been praying for something maybe in your own life or the life of somebody you care about and you're saying I'm going to go to church this morning I'm going to go to church because I've been praying almost like God's watching like all right scorecard they did go to church so maybe I will answer that for them oh there's a good amount of people that are here because it's a good thing for your marriage what I mean by that is there is one spouse that thinks it's very important that you come and there's another spouse that doesn't think it's nearly as important and this spouse has learned that the marriage is better when they come to church. Again, work on your marriage. I think that's good. I think it's an important thing to do. And then we have a decent amount of people. I hear this regularly. You are here because you think your kids should be here. And I love that. I love watching kids run down that hall. I love how many kids, we want this to be the best hour of their week. And I love that you prioritize getting your kids here on a regular basis. Now, at the same time, I'll have people say, yeah, you know, I mean, it's not really my thing, but it's good for the kids. And I'll say, well, if it's good for the kids, it's probably good for you too. And we have a bunch of different reasons why we come separate from just pursuing a relationship with Jesus. But if you're a parent, I mean, think about it. Do you love parents when your kids only come to you when they have something that they want? or they need. You know, I've got a teenager now, so I'm getting more familiar with that, right? Where you're like, build her a really nice room. We did an addition, uh, 2021, and uh, she can live up there, and if she needs something, she'll come down, right? And you're kind of like, hey, you want to hang out with me? Like, I did that last night. It's like, you want to watch the game or something? She was busy. It's okay. I sang Cats in the Cradle to her for a little bit, and uh, I really did. But right, as parents, we don't want that. We don't want like, hey, you just, just let me know when you need something. Otherwise, I'll just be here doing my parent stuff. 
Now, we're halfway through John chapter six is where we're gonna pick this up. And earlier in John chapter six, Jesus uh, does the miracle that we know, the feeding of the 5,000. If you've been in church before, you've probably heard that 5,000 is just men. So you're looking at maybe 12 to 15,000 overall people that Jesus fed with five loaves and two fish and everybody gets their fill and then there's baskets left over. It's this incredible miracle and it gets people's attention. And so the disciples, they get in the boat and they cross over to Capernaum and then Jesus waits. He gives them like a head start and then he just walks out in the water after they're like three or four miles out there and he catches up with them in the boat and eventually they all arrive at the other side. But the crowds that are there, they know that the disciples left first. They know that Jesus didn't leave and that there was only one boat. So when they're all on the other side, they start where we're gonna pick up. They got some questions, right? They're doing math. They're like, wait a minute, one boat, they left, you stayed. How did this all happen? And that's where we're gonna pick it up in John 6, 25. When they, the crowd, found him, that's Jesus, on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. They asked Jesus this question, like, when did you get here? And Jesus loves to not directly answer the question that people ask. And so he's like, I won't tell you when I got here, but I'll tell you why you came here. I'll tell you why you came. It's this game of hide and seek almost, right? And they found Jesus and he's like, all right, you found me. But what are you really looking for? What is it that caused you to come over here and find me? Because they weren't looking for him because of the wisdom of what he had said. And they weren't looking for him because of the love that he had demonstrated. What they were looking for him for was because they were fed. They had this need met. They were hungry and they were fed. And they're like, we got to find that guy that fed us. Now, I love uh, Dan Calkins, right? Dan was our, our next generation pastor here for a while, and now he's the youth bureau director and, and just awesome guy. He's, man, if you want to have a good time, just take Dan out to lunch and just listen to him tell some stories and get him, get him to talk for a while. But one of the things that he said that I really didn't like is when he told everyone, your dog doesn't love you. And I was like, well, maybe your dog doesn't love you, Dan, but my dog loves me. He said, no. Your dog likes to eat, and your dog knows that you feed it, and so your dog sticks around with you because you are a continual source of food. And I was like very upset at him. I'm still a little bit upset at him. And I've sent him many articles and things since then trying to disprove what he said. But that's what's happening here with the crowd and with Jesus, right? They're like, do you really love Jesus? We're like, well, he fed us, right? He fed us and we like being fed. So we're gonna seek him some more. And they're doing this basic thing that Dan is saying our dogs do is they're like, you're a source of food. You're a source of something I need. So I'm gonna try and stick with you and get more of what it is that I need. And the same question that Jesus asked the crowd that day, he asked to us now and says, okay, you found me. But what are you really looking for? What are you really looking for? And I want to encourage you this morning to pursue Jesus for the reasons that really matter. Pursue him for the reasons that really matter. January of 1999, which now sounds like a really long time ago, uh, was the first time in my life that I really started to pursue Jesus on my own. Prior to that, you know, I'd grown up in a Christian house. We were in church Sunday morning, Sunday night, even when there's football on Wednesday night. Uh, we were there all the time, but it wasn't 
me. It wasn't mine, right? I made the best of it. I had good friends at church, and so I went. We had to go. That's what it was. But in January of 1999, I had been in this relationship with a girl, and, and she, you know, she was kind of a good girl, I thought, at the time. And so um, it's a sweet dig 25 years later. And um, so, you know, you know, anybody knows if you're going to do that. Like, if she's going to church, you got to go to church, got to try to be a good guy. So I start kind of doing some of that stuff, right? I kind of start living like I actually believe in Jesus. And the craziest thing happened, because it's a terrible motivation, but God really started to kind of show himself to me through that, right? I started to experience him in a way that I hadn't despite my terrible motivation. And then that relationship came to a very abrupt end that was not my choosing on a Saturday night. And I had a buddy that was like, you got to come to church with me tomorrow. And I was like, dude, I'm not going to church. I'm going to sleep in. I'm going to feel bad for myself. Like church is not what I want to do. And he just insisted and pushed and pushed and pushed. And finally, I went to church. We went to this little church. It was was in an old grocery store building in Pittsburgh. I've tried to find what it might have been. I have no idea. I don't know who the pastor was. I don't know what the church was, but I do remember that he spoke on following God for the wrong reasons. And I listened to that message, and I was like, this is what I've been doing. I mean, it hit home so much. And I went home that day from that church. I went back to my dorm room, and after hearing probably a thousand prayers of salvation in my life, I prayed that in my room by myself. And I'd love to tell you it was like, boom, turned around, right? The next day, I was just a different guy. Uh, it was like turning a cruise ship, right? It took many years to turn it around, but that was the first time that I really started to pursue God with my life. Now, there's other times as I look back where I'm like, all right, when did I really pursue him? Well, I pursued him when I was kind of a wreck of a person, right? When I, I'm getting kicked out of college, I'm getting arrested, I'm, I'm getting myself into all these corners that I have no way out of, and those are the moments where I'm like, hey, God, I really need you, right? I'm, I'm going to him in those moments. Andy Stanley has a great quote where he said, we need to stop trying to pray ourselves out of corners we've sinned ourselves into. And that was a pretty significant chapter of my life, right? I'm gonna do stupid stuff and get us in a mess, and then I'm gonna be like, all right, Jesus, take the wheel. And Jesus is like, I gotta have the wheel a while ago. It would have been really helpful. So every time I look, those are the moments that I'm pursuing Jesus. I'm pursuing Jesus when I know that sobriety is my only choice. And I realize I've got this condition that I can't seem to conquer on my own with my own will, my own strength, that I just want to fight and be better and do better. And I find myself saying, Jesus, I need you find myself pursuing Jesus in a, a season of infertility, right? You go through and you've got your whole schedule and you're like, all right, we're gonna get married. And then we, you know, we built this beautiful house and then we get a dog to wreck the beautiful house, which is still kind of crazy. And then we're like, all right, next up, it's a baby, right? And you're, you're waiting and you're like, oh, it's taking a little longer. It's taking a long time. And, and then next thing you know, you're, you're in clinics and it's, it's a very unique and interesting experience. And some of you know that all too well. And I find myself again, pursuing Jesus and saying, God, we're going to be great parents, right? Like, this is our plan. I'm, I'm just asking God that you bless us with a baby. I'm, I'm seeking you. I'm trying and every single time, again and again. I'm pursuing Jesus, and my pursuit is about getting what I thought I needed. And every single time, what Jesus was patiently, gently trying to teach me and show me was that he was what I needed more than any of those things. And that's what he's trying to do with this crowd. Continuing in verse 28 and 29. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the good work or the works God requires? And Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. They still don't get it. They still don't get it. They listen to him talk and they're trying to figure it out. And they say, 
Jesus, what do we have to do to get you to do what we want you to do? What's the formula that we have to do to get what we want? Now, some of you are gonna pause here because some of you are listening to this. You're like, wait, John, are, are you telling us don't, don't pray and ask God for anything? Like, is that scriptural? It's not scriptural. You should pray and ask God for things. Are you saying don't pursue anything? No, I'm not saying don't pursue anything. But I am saying there is a substantial difference between a relationship with Jesus and the magic genie God that we keep on the shelf until we really need it. There's a very substantial difference there. And I think the biggest thing that it comes down to is trust. It comes down to an issue of trust. Because if I could go back and I could pray during that season of infertility, I would still pray that we have kids and God bless us with three lovely, beautiful daughters. But what I would also wanna pray is, but God, if that's not your plan for our lives, help me to trust you with that anyway. God, if that's not what you have for us, help me still to love you and to seek you and to, to have you be my Lord and Savior just as much whether or not you answered this prayer the way that I want you to answer it. And what Jesus says here is that if you want to do the work of God, you have to begin by trusting him. You gotta begin by trusting Jesus. That's his encouragement to the crowd. The crowd's saying, what do we do? What do we do to get you to do what we want you to do? And Jesus doesn't tell them what to do, but he tells them who to trust. And for some of you here today, that might be your first step, is just to say, Jesus, I trust you. Jesus, I want to trust you. Jesus, help me to trust you more. I'm willing to open my heart to trusting you. But know that trust comes from two things. It comes from the person being trustworthy, and Jesus is. I promise you, you'll find that but it comes from knowing that person, right? In order to trust someone, you've got to know them. You have to have this knowledge of them. You can't just blindly trust somebody that walks by in the street. It's not a good plan. Back to our passage, verses 30 and 31. So they, the crowd, they asked Jesus, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. In Matthew 16, Jesus says it's a wicked generation that asks for a sign. I don't know, maybe he's speaking about these people because they start making suggestions to Jesus, right? The brashness of this being like, here are some things you could do that would help us believe in you. Like, what could you do? Hey, how about this? They're like kind of coming up and being like, do another trick for us. We love the last one. Do another one so that we know you really are who you say you are. And I think it's easy to beat up on the crowd this day because it seems like they're really shallow. It seems like they're just kind of focused and they're like, this is what we need. And then sometimes I hear my own prayer requests and I think, is it any different? Is it any different when I pray and I say, oh God, thank you, you know, thank you for all the good things you've given. You know, you gotta start, you gotta have some gratitude at the beginning of the prayer so Jesus, that's so they know, right? We don't want them to think we're just there to ask for some stuff. So you kind of butter them up just like the teenager does with the parent if they're smart and then you get to the list. Right? Then you say, all right, God, these are the things we need. Right? These are the things that we're asking for. Back to the passage, verse 32 through 34. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. He's speaking about himself. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. They are still talking about physical bread. Jesus is still talking about himself. 
They have this, this closed vision, this small, like, bread. We need bread, right? We're looking for bread. And Jesus is like, look back. Like, I am the bread. I am the bread of life. I'm the bread you're looking for. It's very similar to the water in John chapter 4 that Pastor Katrina talked about, right? This water that's not just water, it's water. And that is because we come to Jesus asking for what we think we need, but he offers us so much more than that. This is really good news this morning. This is good news because we come to Jesus for a variety of different reasons. And again, a lot of them are good, right? Some of us, we come to Jesus seeking sobriety. There is a good amount of people in this church, and it's one of the things I love about Northgate, that have found Jesus through that, right? You go and you go to AA or NA, and they're talking about the higher power, and you're like, I know. I know who it is. I know his name. It's Jesus, right? And Jesus helped you find sobriety. You're like me. This is one of my more, oh, those are keys. One of my more prized possessions right there, right? It's my coin. It's my coin. It's 13 years, halfway to the 14-year one. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's one of the best decisions that I ever made. Uh, but Jesus helped me do that. That was something that I needed that Jesus gave me. There was a reason I sought Jesus, some people, you come to Jesus because anger controls you, and you don't know another way out of it, right? I had just this baseline anger. It felt like it was like up here, right? It was just there, and so then if you spark it, it doesn't take a lot for it to explode, and I said, Jesus, I don't know how to deal with this. I can't fix this on my own. I feel like it's just who I am, and the only way out of it was to find someone that could change who I was. People come to Jesus because they need healing from trauma, from past trauma, from abuse, from people that have mistreated you, and you seek Jesus for that. And again, all of these things are good reasons to seek Jesus, but it's us coming to him for what we think we need when he offers us so much more. Verses 35 and 36, Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He tries to give them the answer to the test. They're not getting it. He's gonna, how clear can I be? I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I have told you, you have seen me and you still do not believe. Jesus says, the one who comes to him, the person who believes in him, the person who believes he is who he says he is, the person who accepts him, who accepts what he did on the cross on their behalf, the person who trusts their lives to him when he answers prayer the way that you want or when he doesn't. That person will find their spiritual hunger satisfied in Jesus. Because a life with Jesus is the only thing that will ever truly satisfy your soul. That's it. That's it, man. There are people here, right? The people here that know that. You're like, man, I spent a long time finding it. There's younger people here, and you might be like, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to try some other stuff. I'm telling you, you're going to come back to this sooner or later if God gives you the time to go all the way around there. And you're going to come back, and you're going to realize that that, a life with Jesus, a relationship with him, is the only thing that will ever truly satisfy your soul. So stop looking anywhere else. Stop looking anywhere else because it can be tempting. You look at somebody else and you think, man, if I had what they had, I'd be content. If I had that, I'd be satisfied. You look and you see a marriage, you think if I had a marriage like that, then I'd be satisfied. You see their kids and maybe it's the performance of their kids or the health of their kids or the number of their kids or whatever it is. And you think if I had their kids... I'd be content, I'd be satisfied. Then my soul would feel at rest. If I had that job, man, I just, I just need that one more promotion. When I get that next promotion, then I'm gonna be satisfied, then I'm gonna be content. 
If we had that house, man, if you see their house, if we had that house, I would be content. I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't need anything else. That'd be the last thing. Then I would feel completely content. If I had their success, the notoriety that they have, if I had the money that they had, I think of how much peace I would have if I had all that money. The answer is you, you would actually, you wouldn't. Because what we find is that the higher income countries have the highest suicide rates because we put something out there and we think, I'm gonna be satisfied when I get there. Then we get there and you know what we realize? I'm still not satisfied. And that makes me deal with this. That then makes me have to wrestle with this and come back to the fact that only a life with Jesus will ever truly satisfy my soul. And anything apart of that, apart from that, it's not that it's bad. It's that it will not satisfy the crowds are saying, feed us, Jesus. If you feed us, we'll have all that we need. And Jesus' response is, you have all you need because I'm here with you right now. So what about you? Where are you with this today? Are you like the crowds where you're thinking about bread? Are you with Jesus where you're thinking about the bread of life? Are you pursuing Jesus for reasons that really matter? Do you trust him? Do you trust it? Maybe you just need to, to whisper to yourself or in your mind and say, Jesus, I trust you with my life. Are you trying to get what you think you need from him or what he is really offering? Because a life with Jesus is the only thing that will ever truly satisfy your soul. Now, a, a lot of you know uh, that when a pastor is speaking, about half the time, it's for us, right? We spend a lot of time wrestling with this stuff, and a lot of times it comes through of what God is working on in our lives. And, and I gotta share with you, probably six to eight months ago, God and I really started to wrestle with this. And we started to wrestle with it because I'm keenly aware that I cannot be the husband and the father and the pastor that I need to be without him. I know that. I'm well aware of my own faults and flaws and that apart from Jesus, I am gonna be a mess quickly. And so a lot of times I find myself pursuing him because I know he'll make me and keep me who I need to be. But we had this interaction where he said, you know, you're kind of like the kid that just comes because you need something. You know, it's kind of become like a business relationship where I'm like, all right, Jesus, I will, uh, you know, use my life to serve you and I'll read your word and I'll, I'll do that. But in exchange, I need you to make me the person you need me to be. And what Jesus really impressed on my heart was, I just want you to love me. I just want you to love me, not for what I do for you, but just to love me for who I am for you. And it really has caused a lot of wrestling. It's really caused me to question my own motivation and say, hey, am I doing my devotions this morning because I know I need to be close to God and the people of Northgate deserve that? Or am I just seeking Jesus because I love him and because he loves me? Not for what he does for me, but for who he is for me. And my hope and my prayer for you guys is that we will be people that have that clear in our minds that we will love Jesus and we will seek him and we will pursue him. And all that stuff, the stuff that we need as valid as the needs can be, that we're just gonna trust him with that. We're gonna trust that he knows what's best, that he's gonna do what's best, but that the best thing we can do is seek and pursue him with everything that we have. Because a life with Jesus is the only thing that will ever truly satisfy your soul. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that you offer us this life. God, you offer us the life that is truly life. 
Lord, I know sometimes it can become easy for us just to come to you and ask for the things that we need. God, we have valid needs. God, we are people that are sick. Lord, we have people that we love that are, are ill, that are in the hospital. God, people that are struggling. We have people that are wrestling with addictions and anger and trying to overcome their past and abuse. God, valid, valid things that we need from you. But God, what you say to us, what you point us back to is that what we need more than anything else is a relationship with Jesus. So God, I pray that you would help us to have that crystal clear in our minds. Jesus, that we would be deeply in love with you and that we would seek you and pursue you with everything that we have and we would trust you with the rest of it. And God, you do that in our lives for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, I love hearing that. You guys sound great. You sound great. I gotta tell you, so I've been walking on that journey and, and God really directed me to this song. It's kind of my anthem for that. So if this message resonates with you, maybe that's a song you just put on, right? Put it on repeat and just let it kind of sit and marinate with your soul. St. Augustine said that our heart is restless until it rests in you. Man, some people here, you know it. You know it one way or you know it the other. You know it because you found that rest and others you are searching for that. Life with Jesus is the only thing that will ever truly satisfy your soul. So go today in the grace of God and the love of Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Have a great week, and we will see you next weekend.